Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum Podcast, where each episode we normally go back and check out the Netflix original film catalogue in the order of release. Today, I'm checking out a brand new film. So it's a bonus episode, it's a very special episode, because I'm going to talk about the new 2022 fictional biographical film, and the keyword there is fictional. I'm going to jam that uh, down your ears quite a lot in this, called Blonde. Um, obviously, it's directed on the life of Marilyn Monroe. It's directed by Andrew Dominic. It stars Anna de Armas, Adrian Brody, Bobby Carnavale, Xavier Samuel, and Julianne Nicholson. I'm Jesse. I'm here by myself, writing solo today. I'm going to spoil this film. It is a brand new film. If you haven't had the chance to check it out yet, and you're interested, you got a bit of an interest in Hollywood, you know Marilyn Monroe, you know her story, those types of things, give us a pause and come back, because I'm going to talk about this film and I think it's going to be hard to talk about it without spoiling it, obviously, but also it's received a lot of criticism. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the key things is to go, where where do my thoughts uh, sit on this side of the fence? Did I like it? Did I not like it? We will find out soon. But we do start the show off with the fast flicks where we do a quick summary of what the film is all about. So this, for me, it's a fictionalized, key again, fictionalized story of Marilyn Monroe and the hurdles that she faced in trying to be the biggest star or biggest Hollywood star in the world. Um, yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about how this film came together. So it, it's based on a novel from the year 2000 by Joyce Carol Oates, and it's a fictionalized account inspired by Marilyn Monroe's life. It's not an actual biography. So that's a real key thing in watching this film. And you know, anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure you, if you're listening and taking the time to listen, you understand film is a piece of art, it's an interpretation, and that's what this film is. It's an interpretation of this novel, which obviously isn't 100% based on real events. It, it adds and changes things and creates versions and things like that to, to add to the the discourse around Marilyn Monroe's life and, and the sad life that, that it was. And I understand she, like, you know, there are, there are two sides, really. Like, there are people who look at the struggles and the things that she overcame and and the groundbreaking work that she did and the ability for her to stand up often in her career against the the Hollywood system and the male-dominated system that it was and and get what she wanted at times. But on the other side as well, it, it, it's hard not to talk about the trauma and the tough life that, that she did have throughout um, throughout her, her years. So I think, um, you know, it's really important to understand that the author of what this film is based on the novel insists that the novel is regarded as a work of fiction and it shouldn't be regarded as a biography. Um, the author of the book, Oates, didn't have anything to do with the making of this film. Um, though every now and then the director, Andrew Dominic, getting would get in touch with her and um, sort of gave an, a, a final cut of the film to the original author, I guess. Um, this novel has been adapted before into a two-part miniseries called Blonde in 2001 and then also... Um, yeah, another one which I don't have... Sorry, it's only been adapted that one time into the two-part miniseries, so um, two parts. It, this this actual film was announced in 2010, so 12 years ago. Big names were were tied into this film. We had Naomi Watts, uh, Jessica Chastain, both attached to star as Marilyn Monroe, but both dropped out. Obviously, 12 years is a long time for, for people to, to change their commitments around, and... Um, and then it came to, to 2019 and we started filming this this in August. And um, this, this had a very drawn out production process because of various COVID shutdowns. So it wasn't actually completed until July of 2021. Um, 
And this film's really interesting. Like, it uses a whole bunch of different, I think four altogether, different aspects, aspect ratios. And, and there's lots of transitions between um, color and, and black and white. And, and to me, that was a real interesting thing because I, I couldn't quite work out what, what those transitions were meaning. And we might talk about that a little bit later on. The film did debut at the Venice Film Festival in September of 2022, on the 8th of September. It received a long-standing ovation. Um, and there's sort of some various interactions with some people saying, you know, it was a 14-minute standing ovation. Others said, you know, it was just over 10. But still, you know, at these festivals, we often see those big, long, drawn-out uh, standing ovations. And I think Variety magazine went on to say that, you know, this this standing ovation sort of caused the lead actress, Ana de Amos, to, to break down in tears, that she was so overwhelmed with, with emotion as to how it was received um, on debut. This is um, obviously... <laughs> A film that has a pretty close or a deep Australian connection. So obviously we're from Australia and the director, while I think he was born in New Zealand, lived most of his life in Australia. We've got Nick Cave, a famous Australian musician who does the soundtrack for this film as well. So I think, you know, it's got some nice touches there as well. This is the, obviously Marilyn Monroe's life. We know that JFK, John F. Kennedy, American president, played a role at some stages through her life. The guy who plays JFK in this film is Casper um, Philipson, and this is the fourth time that he's played JFK on the screen. He played JFK in Jackie in 2016, the speech that JFK never gave in 2017, and also in a few episodes of the TV show, The Project Blue Book in 2019. So obviously uh, doesn't mind getting into the shoes of JFK. The director, Andrew Dominic, I sort of touched on him before, but it was nice that he, he put a, a lot of thought into to some of the, the scenes and where these things were shot. So the initial scenes of the movie were, were shot in the same apartment where Marilyn Monroe lived with her uh, mentally ill mother. And he also said that the, the death shot at the end of the film as well was, was actually done in the same room where she died in real life. So some, some real um, attention to detail there in the specific locations of, of where this was filmed. Another controversy, I guess, with this one as well is that um, in America, it was given an NC-17 rating, which is, you know, the, the highest sort of rating that you can get. Um, sort of in Australia, it's the equivalent of a, an R-18 rating, which is contentious because there's not a lot of films that get this rating. And obviously, the, the pushback for this rating is that it limits who can see the film because you've, you've got to have a, an age authorization to see it. Um, but I guess the argument against that in this day and age is that this film in particular was was picked up by Netflix, a, a streaming streaming platform, so that that age restriction doesn't really matter um, at the end of the day. And and the issue obviously is that why that why that rating was given was because of the the way sexual content um, is seen on the screen. And and a bit of that issue is that you know you can have really violent movies with guns and gore and shooting and slashing and things like that, and they don't get anywhere near this rating. But but sexual content is often seen as more offensive, which is um, often seen as something to be debated across America with, with film releases. Uh, last thing, at the end of this film, there is there is a link to uh, www.wannatalkaboutit.com for people that are struggling. So I think it's nice that they included that at the end. Um, I'll put that link in the show notes. So if anything that, that's touched on during this discussion um, is concerning or, or brings up any memories, please do um, reach out, click on that link and have a look as well. Uh, so I mentioned before, debuted at the, the Venice Film Festival, played a few festivals in France um, as well, so across Europe, had a limited theatrical release in America um, from the 16th of September 2022 before it was uh, released worldwide on Netflix on the 28th of September 2022. 
had a budget of about $22 million, filmed in and around LA, uh, and at the Venice Film Festival, where it debuted, it was nominated for the Golden Lion Award, which is for the best film. Didn't win, but um, was nominated. So we'll see as we move into the back end of 2022 into 2023, whether this picks up any uh, nominations for, for any awards uh, categories, which will be interesting. What are people saying about this film? This is this is where it's going to lead a lot of this discussion, is that this, this film is generally disliked. Not many people like this film. Uh, we talk about critics. Rotten Tomatoes, it sits on 43% from critics. That's on 222 reviews as recording. So that, that's definitely rotten. The same with the audience. They have it even lower on Rotten Tomatoes. sits at a 32%, and that's on more than 1,000 ratings. So not very well liked. IMDb it sort of sits at a 5.7, so a little bit, little bit higher. sits a little bit nicely there on a bit over 18,000 ratings. Um, and then we always talk about Letterboxd. It sits at a 2.2 on Letterboxd, which Netflix wouldn't be happy about. Uh, it, it's extremely low, and that's on 53,500 ratings, and that's under a week since this film's been released. So a lot of people have gone out of their way to log this film. As we talk, it's probably going to... Uh, I don't think all those 53,000 people have possibly watched this film because if you go into Letterboxd and, and read some of the comments, um, it's quite clear that people are adding to the discourse and commentary on this film without actually watching it and, and just being offended and, and upset based on what they're reading in the media. And at the moment, the, the consensus from the media, obviously, as I mentioned, is the negativity of this film and, and a lot of the, the depictions in this and, and saying that um, you know the, the, the depictions aren't necessarily... Um, a, a good thing to say on screen and there's a lot of people that have just jumped on board with that so let's lead into my early thoughts this 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 might be a little bit of a contentious issue but i was i, I fully was on board with this film i i enjoyed this film i thought the performance by anna de Armas was amazing i i don't get why and this was this is another controversy i didn't talk about but people complained about her being cast because i think she's of cuban descent um you know how can you cast a, a cuban as one of the biggest most famous american actresses and uh, i think acting is about playing a role and to me she she played this role amazingly um the the majority of the technical aspects in this film worked for me too i'll say a majority there were some that didn't um and and walking away from this film i feel like audiences need to have a bit of a reflection and sit back and and not be offended and think about what the film's actually saying and doing rather than being outraged for the sake of it because i think realistically this film does have a good critique on the hollywood system and on men in general and i think that while people might not agree that it's been done in a in a good good way i think that uh for me this this worked so this is where we talk about the characters so we're going to talk uh, about a few of the characters and obviously you know we see segments of marilyn monroe's life or, or norma jean sorry i should be referring to her as norma jean throughout this this discussion we see various people come and go throughout our life i'm not going to touch on every single person but just a few of the main ones that the most people would know about anyway if you if you know anything about marilyn's life so obviously talk about marilyn um or norma jean because this film is about norma jean um Marilyn, it's not really about Marilyn. It's about Norma Jean and her struggle with the identity of who Marilyn was. And we see the the tough upbringing that she had by a single mum who, who struggled. Um, you know, they talk about as a child, uh, Norma Jean having to sleep in a drawer as a crib. That's how poor they were because the dad had, had bailed. And then we see the issues with her mother as well, the mental instability and, and commentary about her not wanting to be there because she sort of blamed Marilyn for losing the love of her life. And, you know, th this film, every single person 
lets Marilyn down, which is which is a, I mean, I know you want to see some ups and downs in a film, but this film is is very down the whole way through because every single person that we see on the screen pretty much either uses, abuses, or lets Marilyn down, and and her mum's the first person that we see do this. Um, you know, the mum hits her, she tries to drown her, abandons her. Even when Marilyn, 10 years later, goes back to see her mum, you know, the mum still disowns her. And, and this father figure who, who's never there, that she's longing for the, this father figure in her life that that, that she just dreams of. And, um, you know, she, when the mum leaves her when she's young, the neighbours let her down. They take her to an orphanage. We have all these casting agents and directors who abuse her. And then her own abuse then of pills and booze and... And she's got a manager, I think it was Mr. Shin, who never did anything for her. It was just, you know, it's a very complex story to tell. And the version of events that they've decided to tell in this is how much trauma and how much pain she went through in her life. And that, that's where it's at. And some people say it's too much. It glorifies it. it, it you've, they've decided to go the one track, and that's what they've done with this. I think it, it was int- Obviously, there's, there's moments where they connect in this film real footage from Marilyn Monroe in her films and, and then have Ana de Amos act and, and parts of that. So a lot of singing, obviously, too. Marilyn Monroe um, sung in a lot of her films. That singing was lip-synced by Ana de Amos in this film as well. So that, that's an interesting little point to, to add into there, too. The, the first people that we've got to talk about, I guess, are the, the males that we see her having relationships with in this film. Um, we start off with um, Cass, which was Charles Chaplin Jr. and Eddie, which was Edward G. Robinson. These, these were both real people um, that possibly both had relationships with Marilyn in real life. Um, but in the film, they they sort of uh, make it out as if it was a three-way relationship. And, and I mean, you know, as, as someone watching this film, you, you know that that's not the case. Um, I think it was super obvious throughout that. So throughout the film, Marilyn's getting these letters from her, her dad, um, which sort of sort of just drags her along in, in the hope that she's going to meet him one day. Um, and to me, it was clear that these letters weren't from her father. Uh, and this is obviously fictional, but the film makes it out that these letters were coming from Cass, um, one of the, the first, like Charles Chaplin Jr.'s son. I'm oh, sorry, Ch- yeah, Charles, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin's son, which was Charles Chaplin Jr. And I think that, I don't know whether that added anything to the film by having Cass as the person who was writing these letters. Um, it was just a little bit of dramatic. But it obviously kept that that storyline going of, of her daddy issues and, and her needing that male role model throughout her life and, and her constant referring to any male partner or male as like pa or dad or, or things like that as well. The, the next one that we see in the cast is called The Ex-Athlete. And anyone who knows the Marilyn Monroe story knows that that's uh, Joe DiMaggio, famous MLB baseballer. I mean, there were no real redeeming qualities um, on the screen for this character. Uh, it sort of was the focus on Marilyn being his possession, I guess, and as well as baseball and his, and his past career in baseball. Interesting, which we'll probably talk a little bit about him a little bit more later on. Um, the other, or the, ne- the next partner we see on the screen is uh, the playwright, which is which is Arthur Miller. This uh, I studied an Arthur Miller uh, play or novel or probably year 10 at school i think the crucible from from the top of my memory so arthur miller familiar with uh he sort of brought out the intellect in marilyn and and i'm talking about these characters as what they did towards well with marilyn i guess and i think again it seemed more focused on or he the character the playwright was more focused on his work his friends and his colleagues other than her so another character that, that completely let her down but it was probably the the nicest to her out of the people we saw um apart from um whitey which was a character who was inspired by um, Munro's 
lifelong personal makeup artist. And but on the other hand, this is the character that was providing her with the medication, the injections, the pills, the things like that. So sort of contributed to her downfall just as much as the others did as well. But obviously based on a character and not, as we've said, this is a fictionalized version of what's going on. Um, I think that'll be for the characters. So Andrew Dominic, we've spoken a bit about him as the director, born in New Zealand, like all New Zealand things as Australians, we claim him as an Aussie. I think, yeah, I think he moved here when he was about two. Breakthrough is this film called Chopper. Uh, most people in Australia will know this film based on uh, an underworld crime figure in Melbourne in Australia, uh, Mark, Reed, Mark Reed Chopper, Mark Chopper Reed, Mark Chopper Reed. Um, so if you haven't seen that film, worth checking it out. Done some big Hollywood Hollywood work too, though. Um, the, assassin, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford and also killing them softly. They, they both have Brad Pitt, which I assume is why Brad Pitt produced this film as well. Uh, also, a few episodes of the Mindhunter crime series that Netflix did. So there's, there's his little Netflix connection as well. All right, time to talk about the scenes. What are the things that I liked and what, what are the things that I didn't like in this film? So things that, that I enjoyed. And looking back on it, I think it, it's really hard to identify specific scenes that I really enjoyed. And maybe it's the performances or the story or the intrigue with Marilyn and, and old school Hollywood and those sorts of things. But I think realistically, it's exceptionally well put together. The editing and the transitions between scenes and the times and, and you know, passage of time, um, as well as those changes between ratio and color were, were memorable. Um, but I'm not gonna deny it. There were times where a few of these choices were a little bit too artsy and a little bit over the top. And I'll probably touch on them in, in things that I didn't necessarily like, but. I mean, the, the, the scene that stands out in this film to me is, is the scene where Norma Jean's doing her first, or Marilyn, I'll, 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 the, it's, I'll refer to each of them, I think the, the first reading, the script reading, using her mother's mental instabilities, her father's abandonment to sort of take on this role as she sits there performing to this, this group of men. Um, and the camera zooms in on her, the crying, the emotion, it was just a really good scene. Um, I think... Again, like there's this when there's a scene where she's acting in a film with a razor blade, and and um, the director goes cut, and then you've got her vision of her mum standing off off the off the set, telling her, you know, take your own life, you know, don't um, don't sort of uh, you know um, be a coward, telling her to do it. I, I was, that really connected. I thought that was really well done. I think again um there's a scene where marilyn's sitting there on the phone and she's sort of questioning her pay for the film of, of gentlemen prefer blondes and she's like i'm getting 500 a week but jane russell's getting a hundred thousand like just this insult this another barrier that she had to face in her life the pay inequity and and how that that occurred was was quite disappointing um the whole and obviously we've mentioned that daddy issues throughout there's there's a part in this film where she's going to a premiere and she's told you know you've got a special visitor in your hotel tonight and she's expecting it's going to be her dad and the whole waiting for that sitting through the premiere going back to the hotel um to see that it was the ex-athlete there waiting for her to propose that was, that was really heartbreaking that, that was quite emotional again another really t and like i've said this film is tough you don't watch this film thinking that you're going to really enjoy it or get any memorable um happy moments from it because it, it's a real tough film but the, the, there's a scene where she, uh, marilyn has a miscarriage on the beach which leads to a scene with dialogue and she has to say the word bleeding and the the, the complete breakdown from her because of the connection of the pain and the trauma i thought that was really well done um again and there's a car accident scene where she crashes her car um and 
it leads to the instability and visions of, of the baby crying in the drawer, which connects back to her youth and, and this full circle almost of no escape for her as a character or as a, as a person, as a human being. Um, and then at the end as well, there's, there's this phone ringing and the, the camera just pulls and goes, zooms in every ring with the camera, which just created this tension, which I thought was really well done. And I'm going to touch on that final scene by the pool, in the bed, it was almost like her soul was leaving her body and the feet dangling off the end of the bed. It was just a real impactful way to end this film. Um, yeah, all right, and I'll talk about some things now that I didn't necessarily like. I think that whole, at a touch on this, the whole threesome relationship, these were some of the weirder uh, artistic choices, especially with, there's like a scene where the three of them are, are going at it during a screening of a film. There's like a lot of camera spins during sex scenes. Um, there's a scene where they're like star- uh, staring at the stars and triangles and, and sperm. And then we, we do see this vision of um, her, her baby fetus throughout this film. D- didn't necessarily like those, those parts. Um, DiMaggio as a character, the, the ex-athlete, I know he was a jealous man and controlling, but there's a lot more context to his character. Like I said, this is obviously fiction, but, and like I said before too, they've gone this path with this film that is just showing all the really bad things that happened to her in her life. But from what I gather, and from just, this is just from my memory, I haven't looked any of this up, but from my memory, like he was the, the one person after sort of her death and everyone sort of had it abandoned her. I think pretty sure he paid for her funeral. Um, my knowledge, my knowledge might be a little bit wrong, but, um, yeah, I, that's just something that I would have liked in this film, but obviously they've decided to just go the dark path. So it would have been nice to have seen that as well. Um, the dad's letters, the voiceovers of those letters. I mean, like I mentioned before, I was questioning early on that it wasn't her real dad. So that was sort of a bit of a let down reveal at the end of the film that it was Cass. Um, and again, like the, obviously it was used to, to show her instability and her fear and, and obviously all the pain and trauma with the amount of children that she'd lost. And I think the talking to her baby was used a little bit too much. Finally, I'm going to say this too, the JFK scene, um, as well as like his cronies or his crew following up with, with an abortion. I think this is a really hard moment to put on the screen. Um, I don't necessarily think it was done very well, but I think if, like I've said, they're going down that path of all these horrible things that happened to this character, then it needed to be included, just not sold on how it was done. Okay, themes, ideas. What was this film saying? I I think this film was saying a lot. I think this film is about a girl who's been let down by every single person in her life. Mostly her dad, because I think there was this, this line where it was like, every baby needs a daddy. And we see that, but at the same time, men are gross. This is captured so many times throughout this film. At the red carpets, during the, the filmings, during the auditions, men are gross and men, were horrible to Marilyn. And I think that in, like I said again, in going this one way path for this film, that's what they're trying to say. As well as the trauma that Marilyn or Norma Jean faced. The idea of, or the the idea that she used of not thinking, but remembering this in her acting, that trauma led to her being able to be emotional on the screen. And that fear also of, of the trauma of her past, like does she have hereditary traits from her mother, the illness? These are concerns that are in the back of her mind. Um, the piano was used quite a lot as a theme, I think, too. It was a regular recurrence throughout the film that signaled changes in, in what was going on in Marilyn's life. And then, again, we're talking about her life. This film is a little bit about her career, too. Her career versus her her well-being, her, her life. She says in the, in the film, I only have a career. I don't have well-being. So that's where she was feeling. And, and that's because of all the letdowns of the people in her life, in particular, 
the Hollywood system. The Hollywood system in this film is shown as toxic. It's ugly. It's exploitative. It's horrendous. And I'm going to talk a little bit more, but I think that, you know, this film's made in 2022. It's not commenting on the time during her life. We need to reflect on this and go, this is the same sort of stuff that's happening today. How is that the case? How have we not developed and how have we not changed? And that, with my final point, sort of talks about the identity. Marilyn wasn't real. But she was a but this Marilyn idea was a huge shadow, like in these statues that were these huge statues were seen on the screen across billboards. So Norma Jean as a person struggling with that identity as well. Alright, well, what what did I take away from this film? This is if this could be like you can completely disagree with what I'm gonna say here, and that's hundred percent fine. I think a lot of the criticism around the film is that it's fictional, that none of it's true, and Marilyn being the icon she is, you can't do that to her. And I've got this quote from L, L Magazine, E-double-L-E. The quote is, fiction is effective when, A, a subject is treated with care. So right up, they're saying, Marilyn's not treated with care in this film. And then B, audiences have the tools to discern between reality and fabrication. But all too often, audiences lack these tools. And in the case of Munro in particular, the details of her life and death are already the subject of decades spanning debate. Okay. Please, like, give audiences and people some credit. Humans are smart enough to not believe everything that they see on the screen. Marilyn's life is up for the debate, so why not debate a fictional interpretation discussing the times and the events that occurred around her and how she was treated? I think, like, we look at the issues in the film that people are complaining about. So her mum, like, you know, they're saying, no, she didn't try to drown her. But in real life, she she wasn't an institution, and their relationship was no good. So... What's offensive about about adding a little bit of mayo to add context of how bad Marilyn's upbringing was? If we're going down this path of this film just showing the bad side of things, which is what they've decided to do. Most, and I've mentioned this before, most people would know that Marilyn wasn't in a threesome with two other guys, but probably had a relationship with both these men at separate times. Like this is art. They've condensed two characters into this one relationship and it creates confusion and further insight into how she was a victim and how she was manipulated and and how these things happened to her. And then the same with unfortunate events of the miscarriages. It's well documented that she did have miscarriages throughout her life. And this again is an interpretation in this film. I'm not saying that it's depicted well, like I mentioned before, but it's art. And they did try to do this in an artistic way. DiMaggio, I spoke about him before. Like, there's a lot of criticism about him being a sexist character. Yes, but he was in real life as well. So I'm confused because, you know, he was controlling. He didn't want her to, you know, to be seen with other men. You know, they tried to blackmail him with the photos, all these ideas. He he didn't, you know, he, he was abusive to her. So why hide the horrific things that she faced at times? Like, people need to see that these things did happen. And I know that they didn't show the positive things of her life, but that's this interpretation. Um, and again, it's fictional. So it doesn't necessarily have to be believed. <laughs> um, then we've got her, the other husband, Miller, Arthur Miller. And, you know, he was tied up in the McCarthyism of the, of the time during the, the Cold War, during the hunt for, for communists throughout Hollywood. And, you know, there was people like, well, they didn't include any of that because, you know, she helped him and all this sort of stuff. There was no need to include that because this film was lengthy enough as it was, especially when this film isn't about him and his struggles. This is about her struggles and what she faced and what she did. And I think that that's what people are missing a little bit at times. And I think, you know, there is evidence of Marilyn calling people in real life, pa, dad, daddy. So I don't think that like, yes, it was probably used a bit too much, but you don't need to complain about it being in the film. 
Um, and then obviously JFK. I, I don't think there's anyone on the planet that doesn't think that there was something fishy going on between him and Marilyn Monroe. It probably, in his film, as I said before, wasn't depicted tastefully, but that is the message of this film. Men are cruel. You know, she abused pills and booze. So you had to include that in there as well. Criticism as well around the director of this film about not caring about Marilyn because this film is too cruel and over the top. And it's almost like this is a crime against Marilyn, against against her and her estate and, and her as a human being because, you know, how could you do this? And how could you not care about Marilyn Monroe? When you think about the film, it's called Blonde. It's not called Marilyn because this story is about Norma Jean. It's fictional. It's commenting on society in 2022. There's evidence that Hollywood and men have not changed. We think about Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. They all have allegations against them. These are the things that happened to Marilyn decades ago. And they still happen today. And it's 100% disgusting. And we should be shocked that we're seeing this on screen. Yes, I agree. We should be shocked. But this isn't meant to be a romantic retelling of her life. We're meant to think about those in Hollywood today who are still being mistreated like this. And what are we doing about it? People that love films, people that love Hollywood, what are we doing about it? We get on a bus, go down Rodeo Drive, look at people's houses and go, oh, wasn't that a great holiday? What about the people that are living in the little tiny one-bedroom apartments without heating, without cooling, with barely running water, who are trying to make a break and are still being abused themselves? What are we doing about that? Nothing. And, you know, it's not that they don't have the adoration or the admiration of the legacy of Marilyn. They're in the shadows. They, they, like, these are people or people in Hollywood that, that aren't as big as she was and they're still struggling because no one believes them. It's still happening. What are, we, like, what are we doing? I think that criticizing a film because it doesn't give us the rosy story of an idol that we all adore doesn't necessarily mean that we have to hate the film. We should still adore Marilyn for all the stuff that she was put through, all the horrendous things that happened to her. We should respect her for her resilience, for her talent. But at the same time, we need to think about ourselves and work towards respect, equality, empathy, and change. And not just about Hollywood. This is about life in general. This is about respecting people for who they are. It doesn't necessarily have to be about gender. It can be about race. It can be about class. It can be about absolutely anything. But the events that we saw Norma Jean go through in this film, no one should have to go through. And I think that's the message of this film. Um, sorry, that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> we, we have a, and this is hard to move into, but we have a segment where we, we talk about, do we go on IMDb to check him out? To, to Do we recognize anyone? And for me, straight away, Marilyn uh, or Norma Jean's mother in this film, I was like, I know that face. Uh, actress Julianne Nicholson plays that character. The things I've seen her in recently that straight away I recognized was she was in I, Tonya, and also the Mayor of Easttown, which was the short HBO series with Kate Winslet, which was excellent if you haven't seen that. I'm understanding of time. So let, let's start wrapping this up. And I think we'll finish off with some questions. And I think that this, 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 well, maybe it's more a statement. This isn't going to make sense to anyone outside Australia, I guess, unless um, you've seen that spoof movie called, I think it's called Date Movie. Um, starred Sophie Monk. She had this small scene, I think, where she was washing a car in a bikini. But this film, I couldn't stop thinking about her. And obviously, uh, she's been around in Australia. She was on a reality TV show in a music band and then she's been on The Bachelorette and, and shows like that. I just, and the knowledge of her as a character, knowing that she got her start on Gold Coast, uh, in Movie World, 
as an, a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. So this film, I, I couldn't get her out of my mind. I think that's more a statement than a question. <laughs> but the other thing, I, I, and I mentioned this at the start, I couldn't necessarily work out the differences between when we switched between color and black and white scenes. Like, what were they representing truly? Like, were they, they specific moments or what were the choices? I'd love to hear what people's thoughts are on that. Um, all right, time to wrap this up. Time to put everything together and, and come up with a conclusion on this film because I think this is a really important film. I think a lot of commentary I've read has been people picking out the key scenes that maybe they've read about in articles or that they find offensive and then going further into the comments of what these people are saying. I think a lot of people that are commenting on this film haven't actually seen the film or haven't actually thought about it and have just been offended based on what they've read. And that, that's unfortunately what's happening with the media coverage around this film is that we're taking interviews with the director and, and misinterpreting or putting quotes out for what he said about Marilyn or about the movie once the film's come out and it's received negative negative backlash like the media and and newspaper articles and outlets are like cool let's slam it let's let's put a more negative spin on this film as well people need to take a chance i think i yes this film is a little bit too long and yes at times it's probably a little bit too artistic but what are we doing if we're ragging on directors and, and creative teams taking a chance to be artistic and actually put a message out that's super relevant like, does that mean these films will never get greenlit again because the internet vitriol and the trolls and people spamming social media because they've been offended without even seeing a piece of art? Because that's what this is. This is art. It's a story. It's a narrative. It's a piece of fiction using characters people are familiar with and reaching out saying our treatment of women isn't good enough. The ogling, the, the whistle calls, the objectification, it's not good enough. The pay disparity, not good enough either. The pressure that people feel in their situations also isn't good enough people are human and life is hard but no one deserves what marilyn went through even if some of what is seen in this film didn't happen there are probably a hundred other things that happened to her that we aren't aware of we should admire for her for her work for her personality her career and who she was but we also need to acknowledge that she had a hard life she struggled and no one was there for her when she really needed it who else are we neglecting in our own lives not just celebrities but our own lives who can we reach out to that might be struggling right this very minute? And that's what I take away from this film. And to me, that's why I enjoyed this film is that it made me really question about us as humans and how we treat people. So I mean, this is a four and a half out of five. I really think this film needs to be seen and looked at at a deeper level other than just the offensive context of what you see on the screen. So hopefully I haven't lost too many people with my rant, but I think it's really important to check this film out. Um, Please do jump on social media and give us a follow, give us a listen, give us a like if you can. I just wanted to ask anyone that's on this post, what is one thing that reminds you of Marilyn? Is it the, the scene of her standing above the drain as the wind blows up in the white dress? Is it the singing happy birthday to JFK? What's that one moment of Marilyn that, that you know has been shared with you that you've seen on screen? Is it diamonds are a girl's best friend? What is it? What 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 do you know about Marilyn? Because this this character is someone who stands out and has stood the test of time a bit like elvis um and it's it's interesting i guess the we've had this year two biopic type films we've had the elvis film which was directed by baz lerman um another australian director too and we've got a maryland film that's also directed by an australian director two key iconic american pop culture characters that have been interpreted by people from the outside people that weren't in america during the time that these these people existed so um some some different perspectives i guess thanks as always for for listening along i hope you've enjoyed this episode we have our regular episodes on a wednesday we've got a huge back catalog so check it out give us a listen if you can 
and um, thank you for your time.